Most of you in this room are either Christian or you're thinking about it, you're checking it out or you wouldn't be here. But when you consider becoming a Christian or when you became a Christian, what did you think you were getting yourself into? What did you think was going to come to you as a result of being a Christian? Or what are the pluses that are in front of you as you think about, do I want to be? I think most of us tend to gravitate towards thinking about those blessings that are going to come to us. You know, life's going to go better, won't it? And if you listen to some preachers today, God is going to fix all your problems. And you will have health given to you, and you'll become successful in your business. And all of this will come to you. And of course, all of us would say, well, that all sounds good. I, where do I sign? But there's a challenge in all of that, and that is when life doesn't always work. And then we scratch our head and say, well, wait a minute, why did I become a Christian? Wasn't that what was coming to me? What if life doesn't work? And if you're just visiting this summer, we're going through 1 Peter. And 1 Peter was a letter written to Christians who maybe for the first time were starting to face opposition. It was no longer popular to be a Christian, and they were starting to be looked down on and scorned, ridiculed, those kinds of things. And for some of them, they were starting to scratch their head and say, wait a minute, I, I didn't know this was part of the package deal. Was there, you know, we all are skeptical anymore about the fine print? And wait a minute, where was this in the contract of becoming a Christian? And Peter is very upfront with him, and he talks about why this suffering might come into their life. And we've been singing about that in the worship service. Adolphus talked about it in the communion meditation. So turn over with me, if you will, to 1 Peter 4. And um, I want to first read verses 12 through 13. Uh, dear friends... Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. Parentheses, I understand your surprise, but don't be. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. Now, keep your eye right on those two verses, because here's our dilemma as Christians. We tend to want to focus on and gravitate towards the last phrase, don't we? I'm all for being a part of His glory when He's revealed. Sign me up. But what Peter says is, while that is what awaits us, and that is what, what Christ promises us, the reality is that before that suffering, that glory comes. And before Christ is revealed, there's going to be some tough times. And life isn't always going to work. And becoming a Christian doesn't wipe all that away. We're still going to face that. And that's what Peter was trying to do is help them see that suffering is still going to come to us even if we're Christians. And maybe because we're Christians. So what do we do with that? How do we handle that? Well, Peter tries to talk about that, and, and I want us to think about it for just a little bit today. First of all, if we suffer, it isn't because God has failed us in some way. 
And I want you to see that. I understand it's our first reaction. Wait a minute, God. I thought you were going to answer my prayer. I thought you were going to take care of this. John 10, or, um, sorry, I had said earlier. Oh, my slides aren't working in my head, sorry. I don't think it's that Jesus has misled us or hidden anything. He did promise us abundant life, but he also warned us for a time you're going to have tough times. In Matthew 16, he says, In this world you will have trouble. Because he had trouble, and we're going to have trouble. And it is a part of this life. If we accept Jesus and get up and follow him like the first disciples did, that doesn't mean that it's going to fix everything we face. And it won't fix all of our own brokenness as well as the broken world, the wrong we do. And all of that brings bad things upon us. It struck me, it's like if you're enlisting in God's army, you are enlisting in an army and that army is in a war zone. This isn't an army that just parades on the 4th of July. Sort of like the new recruit that goes into, the com into combat the first time and is standing up saying, Oh, they're shooting at me. And the veteran says, Of course they are. Get down. It's part of a war you get shot at. And when we've been asked to follow Christ, we have been asked to join his army, which is in a war. And part of that following of Christ is that we will be included with Christ in the challenges thrown against us. And so it isn't that God has failed us when he doesn't remove everything. Remove all the difficulties, remove all the challenges. It isn't that he has failed us. He faced that himself and he warned us we will face challenges. Perhaps the greater question is, is it our failure? Are the bad things coming upon us the result of what we've done wrong? Now, I'm not going to give you a simple yes and no answer here, but I do want to challenge those teachings in the church today that we would say, yes, it is. That in fact, if there's bad in your life, it's got to be your fault. Because if we have enough faith, if we do right, then God will fix everything. I, that doesn't work, and I don't think it's true. In fact, Peter warns us that sometimes it's because we are Christian that bad things come to us. Go back to 1 Peter 4. Now I want to read verses 14 through 16. Because what you're going to see in here, there's multiple reasons why we may suffer. And Peter lists them. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. We're going to come back to that. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So Peter really lays out several reasons we might be suffering. We might be suffering in our life because we did wrong things. I really have nobody to blame if I have to pay a speeding ticket. 
I was speeding. Pay the ticket. If you're suffering, it's not because God doesn't love you, it's because you were speeding. And that's an obviously easy, simple one. Sometimes we have greater pain because we've made greater mistakes. And the truth is, we blew it. And we face results of that. But sometimes that even happens as Christians. I'm going to give you my slant on metal. I thought it was interesting Peter put that in there. He lists all these things, these really bad things that might bring suffering on you. But then he sticks in at the end that one word, or, or you could meddle. And I can't pretend to tell you I know what Peter was thinking. But I think that was a word spoken to the Christians. Because sometimes as Christians, don't we, in the name of Christ, meddle? I like to call them, I don't like to, but I call them obnoxious Christians who use the name of Jesus and are really just a pain to live with. Just in how they, I, I remember a f friend I knew, and I talked to a co-worker sometime and said, everybody just runs when they see him at work because he's always stuffing a track down your throat. And we've all said we're not interested, and he just keeps stuffing tracks down our throats. And we just wish he'd leave us alone. And, and I'm not trying to go into a minefield of tracks and all of that, but there's sometimes as Christians that we're just putting our nose in where we shouldn't be. People aren't open. The soil is hard and they're not ready yet. And sometimes I think we bring bad upon ourselves because of how we're living as Christians. Now there's the other alternative, and that is that we're living like Jesus. We're loving like Jesus. We're caring like Jesus and people don't like us and then Peter says if that's what's happening you're honored you're doubly honored over in John 15 Jesus says if the world hates you keep in mind it hated me first what an interesting reassurance that there's times if we love like Jesus if we care like Jesus if we're willing to go into tough situations to help that may bring suffering upon us. But we need to understand that if that does, what an honor that we're standing with Jesus being treated like Him. So Peter said we need to look at why is that suffering happening and try and ask ourselves some honest questions. But Peter goes on to really give us a little bit of a challenge. God doesn't give us a pass. I don't know if that's the right title for that heading, but let's read 17 and 18. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household, the family of God, those who are believers, us. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And then Peter quotes, if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? There's an interesting statement here to me that Peter is warning us, and that is that God is going to be honest with us. He's going to be candid with us in our choices, the way we're living, and sometimes that'll bring judgment down upon us. And I think that's something we have to wrestle with as we focus on grace. 
How do we fit those two together? I think there's a way that they fit together very well. God loves us out of His grace. And we don't do anything to earn that love. It's ours. But that doesn't mean God won't be candid with us about our lives and how we're living and the choices we're making. He will judge those. And in that judging, He will bring consequences upon us. Sometimes we may call that suffering. But He will not treat us with kids' glo kid gloves. He is more like that coach that says, I'm out here to help you become a winner. And sometimes that means I'm going to have to say, you know that last play? You stunk. If you do that again, I'm going to bench you. Because I need you to do this. And God challenges us in that way. And so sometimes we may say, well, wait a minute, what's going on? Why am I suffering? And maybe God is disciplining us. And you see, that's separate from, am I saved by grace? If I am saved by grace, I'm part of God's household, His family. God says, I want to help you learn. I want to train you in righteousness. And sometimes that brings consequences to us. But I don't think that should be unusual to us. If, if you look at a family and you sort of observe that family and, and you see these kids who are well-behaved and they're really successful in life, I think most of us would be pretty confident that family grew up with some standards and some rules. And sure, there was forgiveness and there was grace, but those kids were taught how to live. Well, God's the same kind of parent. And so He will be honest with us. And if we're not listening to Him, if we're not walking on His path, He's going to let consequences come to us and say, how's that working for you? I told you, walk on this path. And it's not because he doesn't like us. It's because he loves us. He says, I need you to live the right way. I need you to learn. I've given you all of this in my word so that you can learn how to live in a way that works. So some might say God's hard on us. I don't think he's hard on us. He's proving he really loves us. I, I'm not a teacher. I was married to one. I am married to one, not was. <laughs> but even as a student, while there were days I liked grading on the curve, there was always that point of saying, you know, that's not right. I did all this work, or I didn't do all this work, and I got off. That, that, uh -uh. And life's not that way, is it? I haven't met a lot of bosses who grade on the curve. You either do it or you don't. And there's a way of God saying, you know, I told you, live this way. You're not listening to me. I want to show you what it's like if you don't listen to me, if you don't do it my way. And I think that's what the point Peter's trying to make. But there's one more thing Peter says that I want us to capture. In verse 19, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. 
Now, Adolphus and I didn't coordinate what he said. But do you see a theme of trust and obey in that verse? Now, there's a scary thought in there. We suffer according to God's will. Now, the truth is, as the Scripture says, and I believe it's reality, there are times God sends bad things into our lives, or God allows bad things, like in the case of Job. But He's doing that for a good purpose. Now, we may not understand that at the time. God, why did you allow me to lose my job? Or why did you allow this sickness? Or why didn't you heal this cancer? We could go on and on and on. Why didn't you fix this relationship? And we don't seldom do we understand at the time. But what we do need to do is trust on this good God who loves us, has proved He loves us by dying for us. So He really does love us. So that means we have to trust what he's doing here, even though I don't understand it, and hold tighter to his hand, not throw away his hand, and keep trying to walk with him. And sometimes he'll show us, here's what I was doing. Here's why I allowed that in your life. And sometimes we know quickly. And sometimes it's not even for our good, Sometimes it's for another that God is going to use me to touch their life. And the only reason I can touch their life is because I have already walked where they're now walking. And God made me walk that dark path. And I didn't know it at the time. But sometimes even years later, He knew He would need me to have that experience so He could use me to touch these lives. So what are we left to do? What Peter says, trust this God who does good, who loves you, and hold on to his hand and keep walking. It's going to be okay. Can you go to the last slide? I love veterans. And they let you know they're a veteran, don't they? Either with the hats they wear, and they have all those codes on them, so you have to have training and military codes to understand what's across those hats. Or their license plates, or the flags in their lawn. Or how they stand at the national anthem. They're that way because of what they've gone through. You see, there's a bond among those veterans. They've fought together. They've suffered together. They've lived together. They've held out together. And while it might not have always been fun, they wouldn't trade it for anything. They're proud of that bond. Peter says we're veterans. We may debate it today, but women have been in combat for 2,000 years as Christians. 
But you see, what Peter wants us to see is we are in combat, and it may get tough at times. And you need to hold on. Because Peter's point is, yes, it's tough now, but there's a victory parade coming. And Jesus is going to lead that parade. And if you're a veteran, you don't stand and watch it. Jesus is going to walk by and say, come with me. This parade is for you too. Let's march together. With him, the almighty son of God who died on a cross for us. And calls us to march with him. Fight with him, suffer with him, maybe even die with him. That one day we will celebrate with him. A veteran who stood with him. That's his call. Let's pray. Father, um, in our humanness we wish... We could get baptized and come out of that water and you'd just fix everything. But that's not how this world is. That's not how life in a broken world works. Life in the middle of a war. But that doesn't mean we've lost. In fact, with you beside us, with your spirit in us, with other believers around us, your power helping us, even as we suffer, we are victors. And we look forward to that day when Jesus says, come celebrate with me. We have won. And so I ask you to help us as we face tough times. That we would see it for what it is. It's not your failure. Maybe not our failure. Give us strength to push through to the victory. In your son's name.